Comedian Tiffany Haddish is busy. She's acting, producing, but she says she's not just doing it for herself. How much generational wealth are you creating when you get to tell a story and give other people opportunity to tell that story with you? Tiffany Haddish on her power in Hollywood. Listen now to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR. Happy Friday, everyone, from NPR Music and All Songs Considered. I'm Stephen Thompson. It is New Music Friday, and for a very busy August 20th, we've got new albums by Sturgill Simpson, John Coltrane, Death Heaven, and more. But first, here's Lord and her new album, Solar Power. Born in the year of Oxycontin, embraced in the tall grass. That's The Path from Solar Power by Lord. Lord became a pop superstar back in 2013 when her song Royals was a worldwide sensation. The singer was just 16 at the time. She's now 24. In those intervening years, she's won a couple of Grammys. She released a hugely well-received album in 2017 called Melodrama. Joining me from Atlanta to talk about Lord's new album, Solar Power, is writer Gavin Godfrey. Welcome, Gavin. What's going on, Stephen? How you doing? I'm great. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank so Solar Power has already given us big hits with the title track and a song called Stoned at the Nail Salon, which gives you a sense of the vibe we're talking about here. Gavin, tell me about Solar Power. All right. So um, the interesting thing about Solar Power, if you've, if you've followed up with Lord and, you know, read interviews or just kind of followed her creative process throughout this journey. Um, she says that Pure Heroine, that album you mentioned, her, her debut that was just so universally lauded, was kind of like... Teen angst was the emotion behind that, right? And then melodrama, an excellent follow-up another four years later. The emotion behind that was more about ecstasy and, and Lord taking her focus inward. So solar power to me, I don't know if you're familiar with the term or uh, the process of earthing, you know, where you take your shoes off <laughs> and you, you put your feet down in the ground and you really feel the earth around you and you, you take in all of your surroundings that aren't necessarily digital, kind of your analog surroundings. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the title really speaks to that, right? Solar Power, she said that um, she's really driven by the sun. As hippy-dippy um, and earth-childy as that sounds, that's really what's driven her on this, is the kind of natural world and the ruminations that she has about it when she's not on tour, when she comes home. What is it that Lord thinks about? What drives her? What you know pushes her? What questions about life and music and love and creativity uh, does she kind of think about as, as time goes on, and that's what's manifests itself on this album. There's such an interesting kind of self-awareness to her work. She, I think even from her very first singles when she was, you know, still a teenager, she was really kind of aware of kind of where she was coming from and, and kind of thinking almost in, in meta ways about herself and her life and her career. And this album really continues that with these kind of California vibes to it that make it kind of 
easygoing and approachable, but she's still kind of relentlessly self-analytical. In some ways, she's like the most world-weary 24-year-old since Adele. But, <laughs> but but at the same time, there's there's this joy that kind of radiates through this, this very kind of sun-baked record. Right. And two things to your point there, the path, the track that we played, you know, it opens up with her having a line on it that says, you know, if you're looking for a saint, that's not me. And I think, right. you know, when she was so young, all the other teenagers and, and youth were like she's our savior look how far beyond <laughs> and ahead of her time she is she must be like the chosen one but then you go to a song like big star and you listen to this song and these beautiful lyrics and you and you think to yourself man who who's this guy that she seems so smitten by and it's actually about her dog uh who <laughs> who passed away unfortunately but she wrote the song before that and so to your point about these kind of self-reflective and self-aware moments like Sometimes it's not about just, you know, coming up with the deepest, you know, most poetic lyrics. It's like, I'm sitting here thinking about my relationship with my dog and how that makes me happy. And that's what's really important to me. And I think that's something that, you know, a 24-year-old seems to kick back and think about more than a 16-year-old we were introduced to when she came out. Yeah, that's Lord. Her new album is called Solar Power. For a longer discussion of the new record, don't miss today's episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour. I'm hosting with a panel containing some of my colleagues from NPR Music. We have a lot of thoughts. Uh, Gavin, I'm going to have you stick around for our next segment. Let's go next to the late rapper China. China's debut album is out now. It's called Drug Opera. Kurt, Kurt Nizi on the beat. On the beat. This the evilest I ever been. I ain't mean to see a cell again. I ain't mean to visit hell again. I ain't mean to let the devil in. But fuck it. Guess it's time for show and tell again. Like the seven deli says I'm getting medals in. Fuck it to your favorite heavy metal then not as I'm fucking in. in. Oh shit. I'm about to empty my full clip. You know I'm back on my bullshit. I seen it, I like it, I show it. Ready, I'm waiting, I go in. Hit it, I quit it, I'm bogus. Getting your feelings ignored. You dripping and drowning, I'm broken. Don't even go in the ocean. That's when my pilot just got a promotion. Whipping the jet, man, my nigga was ghosting. This intellect cause a lot of commotion. Give up the neck if you wetting red lotion. Be disrespectful, I never control it. Spit on the souls of the niggas who sold it. Close in my set. Which nigga told and he's posing from press. Mixing the motion, he's boasting my neck. Shit getting swollen, he's chosen. It's chosen if I rip this shit open. Focus. That's SM from the Philly rapper China. China, whose full name was China Rogers, died in April 2020 following a drug overdose. She was just 25 and would have turned 27 this week. China put out a few EPs and singles during her lifetime. Those often delved into issues surrounding addiction and mental health. She was working on this album when she died, and it's released more or less exactly as she intended it, including with this title. Gavin, talk to me about drug opera. There are, are female artists who just find simple joy in just bars, rapping, you know, having to mm -hmm. flaunt lyrics and showing that they can, you know, hold their own with the fellas in this kind of boys club of, of rappers. And so China, you know, starts off as like a Ford model as a kid and then she shifts to music and finds her way to the Twitter account of the late ASAP Yams who founded ASAP mm -hmm. Mob. And, you know, she tells Yams she just wants to be an intern. She just wants to soak up knowledge. And Yams being the kind of and our genius that he was was like, no, you should make music, you know? And so mm -hmm. we have this girl born and raised in West Philly. She's got that grit. She's like a tomboy, but she's also model gorgeous. Like she's literally been on runways and her her music, she's always said, like you mentioned, is she wanted to be a voice for the for people fighting addiction, for people dealing with mental health. I like to say that 
she kind of treads the lines between emo and machismo, right? Like she can mm-hmm. be very, very somber and sad and really in her feelings one minute. And then the next minute on a song like 929, she she jokes about like meeting a girl's uh, man. She loves to straddle the line of, of gender dynamics. And, you know, she was bisexual. And so you get that play within her lyrics. But again, she never was overtly sexual. For her, it was more about what was kind of going on in her own mind. I mean, the album is called Drug Opera. She died of a drug overdose. There are a lot of drug references in these in these songs. And it's really hard to like fully immerse yourself in, the, in this record without feeling the loss and some of the just the kind of the struggle that permeated her life, but she was also just such a gifted rapper. Her 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 music just has this kind of woozy and moody quality to it, and every song is just shot through with this very distinctive personality. And I just I've been listening to her on and off for about five years now. I heard her, I put her on the Austin 100 like five years ago, and I thought, man, I cannot wait to hear her career take off. I can't wait to hear what she does. And it's so bittersweet to finally have this record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, what makes it so sad is that I think she had finally found her her groove creatively. You know, she was writing the treatments for all of her videos. Like, she had complete creative control of the music, but the life outside of it was kind of spiraling out of control. You know, she lost her... Her mother, which sent her on a spiral, you know, a couple of years before that, her mentor, ASAP Miams, who we just mentioned, uh, also passed away from a drug overdose. So she was fighting demons. And like you said, the most heartbreaking part about it to me was it sounded like she f- sounded like she finally, you know, really was had hit her stride. You know, people um, loved her, but I think she hadn't all the way broken through like, you know, you right. and I probably know she could have. And that's definitely the, the, the hardest part to stomach when listening to this record. Yeah. That's Drug Opera from the late rapper China. Thanks so much for joining us, Gavin. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Let's go next to Sturgill Simpson. Sturgill Simpson has a new album called The Ballad of Dude and Juanita. One and all had heard the stories and eyewitness had been sworn About a man born in Hartbury back in June of 29 Must have got that Martin Malin muzzle the day he was born Things he could do with that rifle Blow the balls off a bat, reload and shoot it one more time Had a monster of a mule, was a mighty fine steed Sham Sam, that tomahawk and that flintlock's all he need Finding food and finding trouble and always taking heat any man crossed him was surely gonna bleed And he'd stretch you up and burn you Calling him half breed That's Old Dude Part 1 from the Kentucky singer-songwriter Sturgill Simpson. This is Sturgill Simpson's seventh full-length record and third in the last year. And it's a concept album depicting what Sturgill Simpson says is, and I quote, a simple tale of either redemption or revenge. Joining me to talk about Sturgill Simpson is my NPR music colleague, Ann Powers. Hey, Ann. Hey, Stephen. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to have you here. So the Ballad of Dude and Juanita is built around a unique story concept, but it also is continuing in kind of a recent tradition for Sturgill Simpson. He put out a pair of bluegrass records last year, and this one is also steeped in that Americana tradition. Yeah, it's very Sturgill. I would say it's (laughs) like the apotheosis of of what Sturgill Simpson does. Uh, This is a guy who really loves 
you know, specific genres and traditions within the kind of general realm of country rock. He's also, though, an experimentalist to the max. Yeah. I mean, this He's made a record based on anime. You know, he mm-hmm. made a whole album sort of like charting the journey of fatherhood through a nautical theme, you know? <laughs> I mean, this is a deep thinker, Sturgill Simpson. Mm-hmm. On this album, he is taking on a classic form, which is the country saga or epic. Willie Nelson's Red-Headed Stranger was the specific inspiration for this record. Uh, Sturgill says he was listening to it one day and he said, I think I could do something like that, kind of. And in fact, Willie Nelson is a guest on the record playing a guitar solo on the wonderful Marty Robbins-esque song, Juanita. But the story is a tribute to Sturgill's grandparents, and a fictionalized account of their relationship that feels like a Quentin Tarantino movie. You know what I mean, Stephen? It yeah. is a technicolor saga of uh, uh, the woman being abducted and the man saving her by going off into the the high plains and finding her and, and rescuing her from a bandit and then exacting <laughs> his revenge. Now, this is the content, but the form is what's great about this record and why I think it was worth highlighting. Sturgill takes on almost every variety of, you know, country, pop, bluegrass. You you know, with his crack bluegrass band, he covers Southern gospel. He does a classic Spanish-tinged ballad. He goes to the, the campfire with the cowboys and does cowboy songs. It is a little tour of uh, Technicolor Hollywood country tradition. That's what I love about it. Yeah, I think that's really well put. And I think unlike Quentin Tarantino, he manages to fit this story into twenty about 25 minutes. <laughs> so true. Oh my goodness. That is such a great point. If it were truly Quentin Tarantino, it would be three hours long. <laughs> um, <laughs> I appreciate the leanness of this record to go with that incredible, expansive creativity. That is Sturgill Simpson. His new album is called The Ballad of Dude and Juanita. And I'm going to have you stick around for one more album, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, We're going to go next to Wanda Jackson. Music legend Wanda Jackson has a new album. She says it'll be her last. It's called Encore. That's Two Shots from Wanda Jackson and her new album Encore. That song, Two Shots, uh, features L. King, the, the pop star, and the great, great, great Joan Jett. Well, here we have another concept in a way, but it's about concept connecting two people over time and forming a, a new collaboration and community. Wanda Jackson 
uh, one of the you know wild women of rock and roll uh, since the 50s, known for hits like Let's Have a Party and Fujiyama Mama. She has revived her career over and over. You know, in the 80s, she became cool again. In the 90s, she became cool again. She's a treasure and inspired so many uh, women in country, in rock, and and men too. For this record, she partners with Joan Jett, who um, is a kind of spiritual daughter of Wanda, and of course, mm-hmm. a, an amazing rock pioneer in her own right. And uh, what Joan and co-producer Kenny Laguna do for Wanda is just make this perfect frame for her still wonderful voice. Don't you love Wanda's voice on this record, Stephen? I mean, she's she is an elder, but she sounds like, you know, the firecracker she's always been. Yeah, she's 83 and she still sounds like herself. And I think Wanda Jackson, my God, you can just hear a whole amazing career on this record, which kind of like the Sturgill Simpson is pretty lean in its presentation. It's like eight songs in about 25 minutes. But you're getting this sense of just the incredible scope of this career. She started making records for Decca back in like 1954. She had a bunch of hits in the 60s. She's had all those, as you said, kind of revivals and comebacks. Like Jack White did a Wanda Jackson record. Justin Towns Earl did a Wanda Jackson record. I just love hearing all that history in, in her voice, which, as you say, still packs a wallop. And Wanda and her collaborators on this record very specifically tap into her history to tell the story of her life. Um, You do have really fun tracks, you know, like Good Girl Down, which features Angelina Presley and Candy Carpenter. But you also have really tender, beautiful ballads. You know, Wanda lost her husband uh, and and Mm -hmm. longtime manager not too long ago. And, you know, she's gone through that deepest grief that you can go through. And there are just some such moving moments on this record as Wanda tells that side of her story too. So it's a kick, but it's also a tearjerker. Yeah, that's Wanda Jackson and her new album Encore. And thanks so much for joining us. Always happy to. We still have a handful of other records that we want to play for New Music Friday, but first let's take a quick break. Support for NPR and the following message come from BetterHelp, offering online counseling. BetterHelp therapist Hesu Joe knows that lockdown has been hard on us as humans. We as people are hardwired to connect with others, which is why this whole time is so difficult. The connection that happens between people can be very powerful and how healing it can be to have a healthy relationship with someone. To get matched with a counselor within 48 hours and save 10%, go to BetterHelp.com songs. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. Ready for a new ride, but not sure where to start? Try the tool designed to make car shopping and financing easier. With Capital One Auto Navigator, you can find a car and get pre-qualified instantly. Then see your real rate and monthly payment without impacting your credit score. It's so simple, you might feel like you're taking the easy way out. That's because you are. Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at CapitalOne.com slash Autonavigator. It's New Music Friday from NPR and All Songs Considered. I'm Stephen Thompson, and we are looking at some of the best new albums out on August 20th. Let's kick off the second half of our show with the Scottish rock band Vistas. Vistas' new album is called What Were You Hoping to Find?
That's Young Forever by Vistas from their new album, What Were You Hoping to Find? It's a follow-up to one of my favorite albums of 2020, a burst of joy called Everything Changes in the End. Joining me to sing the praises of Vistas, making his All Songs Considered debut, is my pop culture happy hour colleague and friend, Glenn Weldon. Glenn, welcome to the show. Hey, pal. Thanks for having me. It is a joy to have you on. Uh, You and I both discovered Vistas last year. Their songs are loud and catchy and joyful, and this record carries on in that tradition, but with a little more reflection this time around. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, technically I am a middle-aged gay man, so on paper my musical taste should run from, you know, Dua to Lipa, (laughs) right? From from Ga to Ga. And uh, and, uh, and yet I love this band so much. Now, Stephen, I know you. uh, I love you like a brother. I know why you're having me on this show. It's because you were the one who turned me on to this band and you want to take credit for it and you want everybody to know it and you want me to publicly thank you for doing so. It is it is transparent in the way, you know, your thirst for validation. It's very on brand and I appreciate it. But when I listen to this band, I just think of the word driving for a bunch of reasons. Like in terms of the beats, right, they're up-tempo and they're so insistent and they're so surging and and implacable. I mean, I couldn't plaque them. Um, but yeah, as we say so often, this is driving in the sense of car music, right? This is music right. that is meant to be blasted out car windows. These big soaring choruses and these big guitars that act almost as percussion instruments to kind of drive the song along. And usually that's not my thing, you know, that wall of noise, but they are deployed so effectively here. They are giving the songs drive and power, but it's it's always in service of these incredible melodic hooks, a real commitment to pure melody. And I, I have a very specific example here. It's a clip from uh, Feels Like Falling. I'm not any is never supposed to be out of my local, so Now, Stephen, were you surprised when he held that last note, that here <laughs> like that? Yeah, it's a little, like, so much of what this band does is just maximalist in every moment. And so there aren't necessarily a lot of moments that get drawn out. Well, this is the thing. I'm always surprised because every time I hear that song, I expect him to throw that last note of that line away. Like indie rock mm-hmm. style, just shout it out. And yet he holds it and he holds it. Uh, really sweetly and purely, and that's the thing. This album is filled with moments like that. You know, a lot of indie rock power, but these pure pop hooks that I just, I just bathe in. Love it, love it. Well, that's what were you hoping to find by Vistas, Glenn? Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, pal. Next up, we've got a new compilation featuring the iconic saxophonist and composer John Coltrane. It's called Another Side of John Coltrane. Thank <laughs> you. 
That's Olio from Another Side of John Coltrane. The track we just heard has Coltrane performing as a member of the Miles Davis Quintet. So what you just heard was Miles Davis's trumpet in conversation with Coltrane's tenor sax. This album compiles recordings from across Coltrane's early career when he was a sideman for people like Miles Davis, as well as Thelonious Monk, Sonny Rollins, Art Taylor, and others. Joining me to talk about Another Side of John Coltrane is Tariq Moody of 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. He's the host of Rhythm Lab Radio and 88.9 After 9. Welcome back, Tariq. Hey, Stephen. Hope you're doing well. I am doing great. Tell me about Another Side of John Coltrane. There's no other genre that does something like this. I mean, it's, it's, this is why I love jazz, right? Most time you release a, a jazz record, the artist is the lead. This idea of taking it into a different way as making John Coltrane the sideman is, is brilliant to me. And it got me thinking about all the jazz albums, like they're all this cross-collaboration. There's no other genre like this. And just to hear this record, you can hear like the influence of John Coltrane and direction where he was going. That's why I think he's such a, a genius. He was a sponge. He loved to learn. He was a workaholic. And I think this record really exemplifies that work ethic. Yeah, most of these tracks were recorded in 1956 or 57, kind of right on the cusp of that like incredibly expansive creative decade that he had. I mean, he was recording these in 56, 57. He was still a sideman for a lot of these other jazz titans. 1960 is when he put out Giant Steps. Mm-hmm. So you're just like hearing an artist who is just right on the brink of doing just unbelievably stellar work. Miles Davis and Thelonious Monk, who he's with Sidemen for, were also great teachers for him. John Coltrane calls Miles Davis, quote, teacher. Uh, and then Thelonious Monk also, huge influence on him. You definitely hear a lot of those collaborations on here. One of the tracks I love, it's uh, Monk's Mood. They are just so in sync. It's just, you just sit there in a quiet room, you just hear... You hear the magic. Like, I want to be in that room with those two. I wish I was born back in those days just to see them work. <laughs> um, the other track I love was with Miles Davis, which was, I guess, inspired by his trips to uh, Africa. It's uh, Arigen, or Arigen, uh, which is spelled Nigeria, spelt backwards. It's just, oh, my God. I just I played that over and over again. It's just, this is why I love this genre. This is why my dad got me into this genre. Like, it was John Coltrane, Miles Davis, and this is... Even though it's John Coltrane's a sideman, this is probably one of my favorite kind of compilations that have been reissued, released by him or by a label. Yeah, it's a wonderful set. That is another side of John Coltrane. Tariq, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Stephen. Next up, we've got Deaf Heaven. Deaf Heaven has a new album called Infinite Granite.
That's Great Mass of Color from Def Heaven's new album, Infinite Granite. Def Heaven is a band from San Francisco, and defining it is tricky. Its music has at times been punishingly heavy with a lot of black metal influences, but also with a lot of shoegazy prettiness. And even with that, still, Infinite Granite feels like a huge departure. Here with me to talk about Def Heaven is NPR Music's own Lars Gottrich. Hey, Lars. Hey, Stephen. Nice to be here. It is great to have you. So Lars, you got me into Deaf Heaven a decade ago uh, when they put out their debut album, Roads to Judah. I cannot imagine that back in 2011, either of us expected to be talking about a Deaf Heaven record that sounds so much like dream pop almost. I, I, I love this record. I know you're a little more mixed. You're more of a metal guy. Well, all right, let's be fair, Stephen. Come on, give me a little more credit here. Uh, okay, I yes, I am conflicted about Infinite Granite. I've been with this band since day one, and I love a good 180, especially mm-hmm. in metal. I love when a metal band does a 180, like when Caven released Jupiter, which was essentially like a space rock record. Mm-hmm. Love that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you're going to put out a 180, you really have to back it up. And that's where I'm kind of like... I'm like half and half on this record. There are moments that I really admire what they're doing with this record. So the song we play, Great Massive Color, is what I always kind of imagined a less metal version of Death Heaven would sound like. Really pretty, uh, really great lead up, and then just like this like deafening climax that really just kind of like leaps out of your soul, you know? <laughs> There are a few other songs on this album that do that for me. Mombasa, the last track on the album, is a fantastic song, and I really see it becoming like a live staple down the road. I do like Other Language. That's like the song that's kind of like the most slow divey. And that's the mm-hmm. thing. This record is very much like it's slow dive, it's suede, it's 90s Morrissey, and the, the, <laughs> the, the metal elements aren't really there, which I Ken, I don't have a problem with (laughs) I know you're not just a metal guy. (laughs) George Clark, uh, he's the vocalist. Like, the critique that's kind of, like, constantly hounded him ever since day one is that he's kind of a one-note vocalist. Hmm. And I think that's changed uh, as as far as, like, his screaming went. His screams changed as the band's uh, sound changed and became... uh, they kind of experimented a little bit more with how they wanted to present their music. This one, he is a singer. He's like a little bit of screaming, but <laughs> he's basically he's basically doing extremely limited range Morrissey um, <laughs> on these songs. But the thing is, he sounds nice. He's like his voice is very pretty. It's like it's very unexpected. After a while, though, that sound kind of bleeds together a little bit for me. And I have a hard time distinguishing one song from the other. Hmm. Well, I disagree completely. <laughs> <laughs> I love this record. I think it, I, I didn't get necessarily a Morrissey vibe. I got a lot of early 90s college radio where certainly Morrissey's were thick on the ground. But like I got, still got the reverberations of a lot of kind of their heavier sounds. But with more of like, you mentioned Slow Dive, but also like Swerve Driver. Some mm-hmm. of these, some of these bands that were able to kind of kick up a heavy swirling sound, but still had a bit of a kick to them. And for me, like, I still can feel 
echoes of old Deaf Heaven, but just moving in a more poppy direction. I think it's a really interesting turn and a record that for me really works. I think it's going to be a grower, uh, at least for me. <laughs> I, I, like, I think Deaf Heaven has always been a divisive band, and I give, yeah. them, a, I give them a ton of credit for bringing in uh, different audiences to more extreme music. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, Metalheads didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this record feels like they're digging their heels in a lot more, but they're being earnest about it. I'm going to spend more time with this record, but uh, for, for the time being, great Massive Color, Mombasa, great songs, the rest I'm having a hard time. <laughs> All right, well, we will agree to disagree. That is Infinite Granite, the new album from Deaf Heaven. Lars, I'm going to ask you to stick around for a minute. We've got one more record to get to on this week's New Music Friday. But before that, I want to do a quick lightning round with more recommendations from among the many, many new albums coming out this week. A few All Songs favorites have really strong new records out. Bob Boylan loves the Irish singer Orla Gartland. He's been raving about her new album, Woman on the Internet. That's out today. Robin Hilton loves a different Irish artist, the ambitious folk band Villagers, whose singer Connor O'Brien has been making terrific records for more than a decade now. Villagers' fifth album is called Fever Dreams. Angel Olsen has a new EP that's called Isles. It's five covers of songs from the 80s, including Safety Dance and Billy Idol's Eyes Without a Face. Angel Olsen doesn't cover anything by Debbie Gibson, speaking of stars of the 80s, but Debbie Gibson does have a new album out today, her first in 20 years. It's called The Body Remembers. It's been 10 years since Y Oak released its fantastic album, Civilian. Now Civilian is getting a 10th anniversary reissue that includes a bonus album called Cut All the Wires, 2009 to 2011. It's full of outtakes and demos. It's a must for anyone who loves Y Oak, as all good people do. There are so many great singer-songwriters with new albums out today, I can barely get to, I can't get to them all. Connie Smith, with more than 50 albums to her name, Connie Smith has been a country music legend going back to her, 1960 classic Once a Day. Now Connie Smith has a new album called The Cry of the Heart. Anderson East, he's a really soulful Americana singer. His new album is called May We Never Die. The veteran folk singer James McMurtry has his first new album in six years. It's called The Horses and the Hounds. The great singer Martha Wainwright, folk music royalty. She shares a tremendous eye for detail with her brilliant family of assorted Wainwrights and McGarrigals. Her new album is called Love Will Be Reborn. Speaking of brilliant families, Sam Williams is part of the Hank Williams dynasty that includes Hank Williams Jr., Hank III, and the wonderful Holly Williams. Sam Williams is Hank Jr.'s son and Holly's half-brother. He's got a debut album called Glass House Children. It's got guests like Dolly Parton and Keith Urban. If you want a deeply silly break from all this new music and you're a fan of the TV show Bob's Burgers like I am, there's a new compilation of goofy little songs from the show. It's called The Bob's Burgers Music Album Volume 2. And finally, to get back to my pal Lars, Gottrich Lars really wants to recommend a new album by the veteran black metal band Wolves in the Throne Room that's called Primordial Arcana. Isn't that right, Lars? This is their most truest version of black metal that they've ever done. It's it's a little goofy, but epic at the same time. It's, yeah, I think it's great. Awesome. All those albums are out today, August 20th. And this seems like a good time for a quick reminder. Do not miss the Now Playing blog at NPR Music. That's full of song recommendations that'll help you stay caught up on great music. We've got one last album on this week's show. Nathan Salzberg is back with a new record called Psalms. Ketones are more 
That's 147 from Nathan Salzberg. He's a guitarist from Kentucky who's got an assortment of mostly instrumental records to his name. He's also made a bunch of really gorgeous music alongside his partner, Joan Shelley. Psalms is something a little different for Nathan Salzberg. It's a reflection on his Jewish faith, and it's really beautiful and intriguing. Lars, tell me about it. You're right. Nathan Salzberg, he's been mostly releasing solo guitar records, kind of with the John Fahey style for the last decade. And he also is a curator for the Digital Allen Lomax Project, which if you've ever spent time on that, it's it's a lot of fun. So he comes steeped in folk traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, when they announced the album, he, he wrote a little essay about where it came from. And he talked about going to synagogue and like uh, and summer camp and like hearing these uh, boisterous songs of, of Jewish faith and uh, really resonating with the high emotions that are found within it. And I resonate that as somebody who on the other end of it, went to church and Sunday school and also summer camp and also did those things. And when you get older, as they say, you put away childish things. And in the last few years, he came back to this music and these old songs just by literally reading the Psalms, which if you need like a little quick refresher from, from, uh, from a Hebrew school or a Sunday school, they're literally songs of praise to God or laments or songs of thanksgiving. And they're quite beautiful just to read on their own. And the thing that maybe that uh, Nathan Salzberg recognizes in this work of poetry and music is that the idea was that uh, these very human people were coming to terms with how they thought about God. So that meant praising him, but also like being like, what the heck is going on in my life? What is going on with Israel? And why am I being punished? He kind of comes at it from that perspective. He's coming at it from a deeper, more resonant space. And you hear that in the arrangements as well. And he, he's got like a killer group of people that he worked up for this record. He's got Will Oldham and Joan Shelley and Spencer Tweedy and uh, some folks from the jazz scene, including Gene Cook and Nick McCree. And they really bring like a full sound to these psalms and they're sung all in Hebrew. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, I can't. I really appreciate where he's coming from with this record. You know, somebody who's kind of trying to reconnect with his faith. You know, I've been going to Shabbat on and off for a few years, and I've found it's really tricky to find kind of accessible entry points to singing along. There's so much music uh, in these services, and I find because I didn't go to Hebrew school, because I didn't go to these summer camps, I've found it tricky to kind of connect with the music. And I think this is a beautiful way into Jewish music that's a little more reflective, but while still expansive. 
he's been working on this for a while, but I think a, a lot of folks are kind of like revisiting their roots in the last couple of years when they're really thinking about their priorities in life, whether that be their family or their faith or their friends. It always feels cheap to say it feels like a good time for uh, this kind of music to come out, but it really does because you can feel his investment mm -hmm. in these songs and with these lyrics and how he really wanted to dig inside uh, these psalms and find himself. Yeah. That's psalms from the guitarist and singer Nathan Salzberg. That will do it for New Music Friday. Thanks so much for joining me, Lars. Thanks, Stephen. If you want to hear all the music we featured on this week's show, along with a bunch of other great new music out today, we've got expanded playlists in Apple Music and on Spotify. Search for NPR's New Music Friday playlist in either of those apps. And a reminder, as always, to sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's put together by the remarkable Marissa LaRusso and Lindsay McKenna. To subscribe, go to npr.org slash music newsletter. You can follow us on Twitter at NPR Music. You can find me at I Dislike Stephen. You can find our guest Gavin Godfrey free at Right Gavin Wright. Ann Powers is at Ann K. Powers. Our guest Glenn Weldon is at G.H. Weldon. Tariq Moody is at Hobo Architect. And Lars Gottrich is at Total Vibration. This week's show has been produced and edited by Bob Boylan and Ron Scalzo. From NPR Music and All Songs Considered, I'm Stephen Thompson, encouraging you to be well, take a break, and treat yourself to lots of great music.